We must constantly look at things in a different way. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast was created by two physical therapists out of the desire to learn more about the different educational roles in physical therapy and healthcare and how healthcare education works by talking with educational leaders and people with different perspectives within physical therapy and across interdisciplinary lines on how education can be improved to disrupt the status quo of healthcare education. This is our journey and thanks for listening. Are you a third-year physical therapy student that excels on tests when you have study guides, checklists, and deadlines? With all of the information available about how to prepare for the NPTE, it's easy to get disorganized and not feel prepared going into the big day. NPTE Prep Success is an online course that provides PT students easy-to-use study guides and step-by-step guidance through the NPTE preparation. To learn more, visit kylericeprep.com. Thank you again all for your continued support. And now for the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. F. Scott Feel, and I have the pleasure today of talking with an up-and-comer, I'll say, in the world of uh, physical therapy and cash pay model and side hustles and all things <laughs> business and entrepreneurship, Dr. Ashley Johnson. Ashley, tell us a little bit about uh, your, your background and your, your educational journey and how it's led you to where you are today. Yes, thanks for having me. So I am from Bolingbrook, Illinois, suburb of Chicago. Played sports my whole life. I ended up going to IUPUI in Indianapolis to play volleyball. Majored in exercise science PPT. I always knew I wanted to be a PT because my mom was an occupational therapist and rehab director. And I always walked across the hall to physical therapy. It used to break her heart, but I love PT. I did my DPT at Hampton University in Virginia. And then I basically worked in different settings. I want to say I did outpatient, home health, skilled nursing. The hop around wasn't really because it was, I didn't really know where I wanted to go, but a lot of it had to do with the lifestyle that I wanted to live. What I, basically what I wanted. I really didn't like the four tens of outpatient. So that's why I was in skilled nursing or in the hospital inpatient. And then I didn't like to have to, you know, be in the hospital all day. So then I went over to home health and nothing ever really fit where I wanted to go. I'm very lax. I'm athletic and I value my time and I value my schedule. And so that basically led me into entrepreneurship where I can dictate my schedule, you know, when I'm working, when I'm not, and have the opportunity to make money. Yeah, I think, you know, it's important today that we talk a little bit about um, entrepreneurship in general, right? Uh, there's not always a direct correlation between education and, you know, being a student, being a professor and entrepreneurship. But I think there needs to be a little more conversation about it, especially because, you know, the debt to income ratio for physical therapists is getting worse, right? We're, we're not making as much and the, you know, student debt is just climbing year over year, right? And professors even aren't getting paid, you know, that much. I find for me in particular, my my biggest issue has always been the golden handcuffs, right? I needed medical benefits because my wife's a type one diabetic. So not only do we need medical benefits, we need good medical benefits. Mm -hmm. So the last five years out of my 15 year career has been spent trying to seek out the best possible situation that would allow me to work kind of the least amount of hours for the most bang for my buck with benefits. Luckily for me, 
you know, I ended up getting my EDD in 2018, you know, and finishing up a terminal degree, which I never thought I would use until closer to retirement time. Uh, but then when mm-hmm. COVID hit, things happened, you know, the, the world kind of threw me a curveball. And I said, okay, well, maybe it is time to look into teaching and professorship, you know, uh, and that's great. But, you know, a lot of times when you're working in home health or you're working in a skilled nursing facility or whatever, you may be making six figures as a physical therapist. And that's great. But if you want to go into academia, you may take a pay cut, you know, and leave the mm-hmm. clinical world. So that can be tough too sometimes. So I think, you know, we need to start being aware of options, right? And I think we need to start being aware of, you know, not just being a nine to five clinician or not just being a nine to five professor and opening our eyes and our worlds to, oh, I can do this or, oh, I can do that. Or, oh, there's other options out there for me, Mm -hmm. right? And that's why I wrote my book, right? I mean, uh, you know, PT educator, student debt eliminator is about all the multiple revenue streams that are out there. And at the very least, you don't have to do all of them. You can just do one or two or whatever, but you have to at least be aware of them. And I think that's what this discussion is about and just trying to make people aware of the different options that are out there. And the, the, one of the first ones I want to talk about is kind of a twofold one. I want to talk about owning your own practice and your mm-hmm. own practice. And you do that very well, very successfully so far for so early on in your journey. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk a little bit about how you kind of back that up and how you kind of used other streams of income to kind of give yourself that boost and that the safety net to fall back on. So tell us a little bit about that journey. Okay. So there's, when I started uh, my own mobile side hustle, so, you know, there's phases to entrepreneurship, right? So while we're in the golden handcuffs, if you want to go into your own practice, go into entrepreneurship, while you're in golden handcuffs, you need to be learning you know, paying attention, seeing what practices you like and don't like in business to help, you know, mold yourself. So while I was working, I started my own mobile practice in volleyball, because again, I went to my community who already respects me and provided a service. So I had the opportunity to plant myself in Tsunami Volleyball Club, and they have 350 athletes at this particular location. And they practice from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m., five days a week, right? So I, that's a huge referral pool. So basically what I did to start my first stream of income is I introduced myself to the club, became a coach, let them know who I was, had good personality, really built rapport with the community. And then boom, now I have, now the side hustle begins. Oh, you go to Doc J, she'll help you swing better. She'll help you transition faster. If you're injured, go to her. You don't need to go make a PT appointment. You can do your PT right before practice or during practice if you're that injured that you can't play. I was able to create, you know, kind of filling out my particular demographics financials. I was able to say, all right, you know, let me see what what what's my value here. And I started at $250 a month for eight sessions. And these will be medically guided exercise sessions. You know, the majority of them just had weakness. They didn't really need manual physical therapy. They needed the science behind the exercise, the load, the frequency, all of that nature. And there was a lane for that. So while I was in golden handcuffs from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m., I would shoot to the volleyball gym about 4.45 till 10 p.m., And I would be running my, what I call volleyhab, volleyball and rehab. So I put them together. So 
I'm seeing for, uh, they're paying 250 a month. There's 350 girls in this particular facility. So even if you capture 10% of the population, right? How lucrative is that for a side hustle? Um, and so that was my first stream. And then after that, I was like, okay, now I'm bringing money in. How can I make this money I'm bringing in work for me? And that is when I started, um, instead of doing my long-term investments, I started doing daily short-term investments in the Forex market. And that really, really doubled, tripled the money I was making in my side hustle to allow me the opportunity to open a brick and mortar without business loans, without going more into debt. Yeah, you touched on a lot of really important topics there. So let's let's break them down and talk about them a little deeper here. The first one, you immersed yourself in your community and you really niched down. I mean, you found your people and you just went all in, right? Super important, I think, when you're starting a business. I think my, my first business was a mobile rehab as well, you know, and I tried to treat everybody at, all at once and I, I wasn't succeeding. I was getting one or two people here or there that just had aches or pains and it was like, well, this isn't really working, you know? So once I started niching down and I really got down to like business professionals and, and CEOs and C-suite level execs, people who, who were, you know, pressed for time, my service became a lot more valuable and a lot more, you know, narrowed down because I was treating the people that wanted me to come to their office or to their gym or to their home to get their therapy done because they didn't have time to go downtown and go to the outpatient facility. So I think that's super important is, is finding your avatar or your perfect patient, your niche, and really, you know, diving down, immersing yourself in that community, really being true to it and, and knowing, you know, who it is and, and, and who you're trying to treat you know? And so I think right. that's super important. The next thing that you talked about too, is, is supplementing your business and trying to grow it with other little streams of, of investment and, and revenue. And I, I think, you know, we as, as clinicians and as professors don't think about that a lot of times. We're so in our zone and trying to find our, our zone of expertise that, you know, we don't see these other opportunities out there when in reality, you know, even as a physical therapist, I can do other things, you know, mm -hmm. like writing a blog for a doctor or, you know, yeah. um, you know, running Facebook ads for a clinic to help them bring new patients in still kind of related to the medical field. I know the background. I think it can help me with some of those things. Um, but you don't have to stay in the world of healthcare. You know, there's other things you can do outside. And like you talked about the Forex trading. Tell, tell us a little bit more about that. What does that entail? So basically Forex trading is something that has become revolutionary in the, in this past like five to six years. You used to have to trade on a computer with a certain account size that really eliminated a lot of the, com the middle class, the lower middle class uh, family to participate in our stock market. So my story kind of starts with, I was assistant volleyball coach at Clark Atlanta. And we are coming home from a game. We have a rule of no phones and I'm the assistant coach, right? So I'm kind of the cool one. One of the girls texted me and she's like, coach AJ, can you please like, I I'll be in the back. I'll be quiet, but I need my phone. Cause I have to pay rent. And I was like, what is this girl doing on her phone that she, you know, to pay rent. So I go to the back of the bus, sit by her and I'm like, what's going on? And she shows me her phone and she's like, I'm, the markets are open right now. She said 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. is my prime time. This is when I'm, because we're coming home from the game, right? She's like, this is when I trade. And I'm just like, okay, well, tell me about it. And she was like, I put $50 in at the beginning of the week. And by the end of the week, I have 500. She's like, if I do this every 
week, I can pay my living and have enough to like go out with my friends. And I don't have to ask my parents for money. And I was like, you know, I'm doing, I thought I was, you know, doing good. I have my Roth IRA. I have my TD Ameritrade account, but that money was faster than the money I was making in all, like it was just accruing faster. So basically how it works is you have apps that have direct connections to the trading market and you can enter trades as small as they're called penny trades. So for every time there's a position movement in the market, you can get a penny or you can get a dime or you can make 25 cents or a dollar or, you know, $10, which is big baller alert. Um, for those who don't know in the marketplace, a typical position movement, you would accrue 100 to 150 positions. So if you're doing a 10 cent trade and it moves 150 positions, you made a dollar and 50 cents in like two minutes. And as you learn and you're able to invest more and increase what we call a lot size, the next thing you know, you're making 10 cents per trade. Now that's $15. And next thing you know, you have a $500 account. And now that trade that was $15, you now make $150 or $1,500. And you know, as you grow your money and grow your account, you can keep growing and growing. And that's, you know, basically what I did with my side hustle. I was like, okay, I'm making this money and it's sitting in a savings account. I'm saving, you know what I'm saying? Like I see it growing, but how can we grow that faster? How can I flip this to make it more for myself and I don't have to physically do anything? And so Forex has been, it's like my own little savings account and it matriculates you know, so, so fast. Yeah. And you didn't have a PhD in economics or business or anything like that, right? This literally was just picked up a learning platform and learned from there, you know, a little bit of extra help from YouTube university and, uh, you know, so, all right, let's talk about this now then with making some of these little investments and with, with starting side hustles and, and, you know, really trying to figure out extra ways to bring in different streams of revenue, this could really help a lot of bigger pictures in the educational world, right? Because you've got professors who maybe aren't making as much money as they were in the clinical, like this could help supplement that, mm-hmm. right? So that like kind of takes a little bit of load off their shoulders. You've got students who are graduating with $150,000, $200,000 worth of student loan debt. If they were doing this while they were in school, you know, granted it might take a little bit of time away from studying, but if it helps them live and survive and get through and graduate yeah. with no debt, Here's another big one that we, we, you know, you and I have talked about. It could help lower the barriers to entrance into these schools in the first place, right? We're talking about all this, you know, uh, diversity issues, right? And all these, these inequities out there. And if one of the inequities is, is general, you know, wealth and ability to pay for these schools and these programs, if we start this even earlier at the high school or even, you know, undergrad level, now they're able to make some money on their own and it removes those barriers so so you said you said a lot of good things there um in regards to time right on trading foreign exchange you you can happen it can happen quick within the minute or it can happen within 30 minutes 15 minutes an hour you you barely ever hold a trade a full day in this style of trading so when i was working my normal seven to four I was waking up at 4.30 in the morning, trading between 4.30 and 7.30. And then you could trade between 10 p.m. 
and 2 a.m. if you wanted. So there were times, you know, when when I really wanted my money to flip, those were the times that I was trading. But those aren't times where I'm typically in class. They're not times I would typically, you know what I'm saying, doing anything. And what I like about trading is you have to be attentive. So it's like you can study and watch a screen and click a button while you're, you know, memorizing your origin insertions and actions. Maybe if you were trading, maybe you wouldn't fall asleep when you were studying because you had something to watch. You were actually, you know, doing something else. And then you also mentioned about the barriers. Heck yes, it will make a big difference. If we had undergraduate, they already were in a pre-professional program and knew master's doctoral level was in their future. Those loans are in their future. And if they prepared, if I had prepared for the, my financial future when I was 18, 19, 20, trading with my undergrad refund checks, oh my God, my journey would have been different. A lot of these PT programs discourage working. So if you take a kid like me, who's like, oh, I didn't qualify for the grad plus. I only got the federal because my credit wasn't there. The federal's not gonna, it may cover some tuition, but how am I gonna live? I had to work, I had to work. So I was a bartender. I was an overnight baker at Panera. I did anything that I could do off of my class time. And I was the kid that had index cards at the cash register because I literally didn't have the privilege of not working. If I would have, you know, been like, oh, mom, they say I can't work, I can't afford it, and just not done it, there will be no Doc J today. But I knew that if I just studied hard and I got the good grades, working wouldn't be an issue. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just knew I had to do more. So if I had something like this back then, my confidence going into programs would have been different. I would have had more sleep. It would have been a better educational process for me. Yeah. And we're not saying, you know, that you need to go out and become the wolf of Wall Street or, you know, learn bonds and, and Forex trading and all this stuff. Again, I think it's just like at least bringing awareness to it and, and saying, hey, look, if you think it might be for you, be that lifelong learner, go out and, and learn skills and skill sets that are going to help benefit you and, and maybe make you some money along the way. Right. right. Start a side business, learn video editing, learn, you know, podcast editing, learn audio editing and start a business that just does that stuff, right? Learn consulting right. skills, learn how to educate uh, businesses on, you know, body mechanics and safe transfers and safe, you know, team lifting yes. and proper body mechanic lifting and all that stuff, right? And then go consult and show them, use your skills and your knowledge to educate others on how to do that, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of options. Let's say for instance, because I am very entrepreneurial, right? This pandemic, the role of a physical therapist, what role do we play in this pandemic? I didn't really think I had a role to play as an outpatient clinician. I'm just seeing patients. I'm not really in the hospital. But then in my volleyball community, I realized we have not stopped. We're still going, right? And girls are starting to get some cases, right? So as a PT, we are also public health, people of public health. We are public health providers. So what I decided, I was like, okay, I have my community. How do I fix this problem? How do I find a solution to something that is gonna be an issue? Cause it's growing, right? I was able to find a lab and we do free COVID testing now, right? So who would have thought 
that this lab had to get off so many tests, you know, under the CARES Act because it's free. The federal government provided all this money, but they can't find people to test. So the lab needs people to test. I have a population that needs to be tested. In between this bridge, there's a financial gain there. You are now a referral source. You are now helping a medical laboratory conduct testing. So not only are you helping your community, you are now a public health force. And what I have noticed in my journey is every time I do something related to public health, it ends up becoming another income stream. I wanted to help volleyball players. I was there for free. It became an income stream. I wanted to help my Medicaid patients and people couldn't come. All of a sudden, I'm, you know, rehabbing entertainers and strippers and getting paid more cash than I ever thought. Income stream. I have populations that need COVID testing. I try to find the solution, income stream. And I feel like we stay in the four that box of clinician, clinical director, regional. That's not where the money's at. The money does not reside in that box. All the money is out here. And you know who's out here, Scott? Chiropractors. Yeah, I mean, uh, okay, so... First off, you basically gave a really good picture of population health, right? I mean, you painted a really great picture of how we can help the population even right. further up the stream so that issues don't happen later down the stream and we don't have to treat them. The issue you brought up there is chiropractors go through a pretty rigorous marketing and business development education through their, their program. I mean, and it shows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've been killing, killing us for years as far as physical therapy goes, because we don't get that marketing. I think it's because of our backgrounds and how like chiropractors just started their own thing and just came up with it and said, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to market it. Physical therapy kind of grew from nursing, which were constantly taking doctor's orders. And so later on down the line, we were taking doctor's orders. So the whole goal of physical therapy was kind of to go into the hospital and take doctor's orders and perform them, right? Well, things are changing, obviously, now we're working on direct access for sure. But I mean, you know, there, there definitely has to be some autonomy there. But then again, we come back and circle back around to the curriculum of the PT, you know, departments, and they right. don't have the time to put in courses like marketing and business development and entrepreneurship, because it's not on the NPTE. And we right. have to get these students ready for the NPTE, you know, so the only way you're going to get some of that stuff is if professors are able to kind of weave it into their curriculum that's already there. And that's right. certainly not enough. Exactly. And then you say the professors have to, which are people who may not be business people, right? I feel like my path, I've always been entrepreneurial, right? So I was the kid, I would have my mom buy a bag of Reese's and I'm selling them at my locker for 50 cents. So at the end of the day, I have $8. And my mom's like, where did you get that money? I'm in fourth grade. Like that, that was just, so a lot of people are like, how did you learn? What books did you read? I think I have it genetically from my father. It is in my blood to always make money. I was, my dad was like, when I would want something, he's like, um, we have eight neighbors who all need their lawns mowed. And then I was like, oh, okay. So then all of a sudden I'm mowing this street, the block around the corner, making flyers. And so it was something that, you know, as I grew up, it kind of was always, I was always looking for a way to make money. Every opportunity, I was like, oh, how can I make money? I worked at Michael's Arts and Crafts. I would do parties, right? I'm 15. I'm just like, it was kind of for Girl Scouts, but they paid me a little bit. Anywho, I would do so well with the kids. I got babysitting jobs. I started my own little babysitting flyer. So it's just like, I feel like as PTs, we're like, oh, I'm a PT. But no, you have to 
be a PT and figure out how you're going to earn the living that you desire. And that's okay. So again, a lot of great things there I want to touch on. First off, uh, you know, it's funny that you bring up, you know, professors who may not be business or entrepreneurial, so they may not be of any help anyway. Business and econ professors, a lot of times, like even the best business professors wouldn't be professors if they were really good at business because they, that doesn't the ROI on, on a salary of a professor. So really, why are you being a full-time professor when you could be out making other money? But, you know, that being said, I think I'm, I'm very much like you. My dad was an English teacher, but he also owned a landscaping business on the side. He did that in the summers and then his partner helped out there in the winter for the most part. He was all, all year and my brother and I were brought in to help work for him, you know, and that kind of started my idea and my journey into entrepreneurship. And, you know, eventually my brother and I would go out to the golf course and, and find golf balls and like wash them up and then sell them on the 10th hole to the next round of guys coming the next day. You know, and we would do that constantly. And we love that stuff. Right. But I think with entrepreneurship, you know, a lot of times it's just within you. Like you said, you're just kind of born with it and you can't turn it off. And that's why we're constantly thinking of ideas and coming up with ideas and stuff like that. So, but I, you know, I also think that it's important to recognize that you don't have to be an entrepreneur. You know, you, it's okay if you're not, that's totally fine. But then you have to start planning for, you know, the limitations that you'll be in the box that you'll be in. If you're just a nine to five clinician that clocks in and clocks out every day totally fine. If you live within your means and you, you know, don't have much debt that you had to take on and you're able to just make your salary and do some other investments and things with it, totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, we're just saying again, that there are options out there and you need to be aware of them, um, you know, because it, it can definitely change trajectories, right? It can change you and your family's trajectory and the, and the line down, down on, you know, the grandkids and the great grandkids and stuff. If you can, you know, amass some sort of wealth and then do other things with that wealth, you know, right. I, I think it's, it's stuff that has to be planned and thought about very early in your career, whether it be undergrad or even, you know, grad school, you need to start thinking about those things as early as possible and how you're going to, like you said, craft the life that you want to live, right? You got to work backwards. You have to kind of um, set the goals, figure them out, and then kind of work backwards to figure out how to accomplish those. You right, know, right. Patience, right? We set goals. Well, right. how are we going to get there? Set the goal first, then work backwards to find how we're going to get there. Exactly. Everything that you said is literally right on. I just honestly feel that we are, um, like you have said to me before, we went into physical therapy because we felt it was safe, that it will always provide for us. And even myself, I had a skewed outlook on the financial benefit of being in rehab because my mom was an occupational therapist. She always had a job. My mom always, like we always had money. Like we never, I never seen my mom get laid off or anything. Whereas my father who was in business and marketing, you know, worked for major uh, corporate fortune five, fortune 500 companies and would get laid off. And it's just like, oh, well, but he's good and he's smart. So, but why does my mom? So I was like, okay, so I always have a job. And then I didn't realize my mom only had her bachelor's because she came in during a time where OT was only a bachelor's degree. So the debt to income ratio I experienced growing up with a mother who went through rehab is literally an entirely different situation. And even my mom can't believe it. She's like, oh my, my, it was 35,000. Like, you know what I'm saying? 
the times they are a change and that's for sure. I mean, I'm hearing numbers, you know, 150 is average. I'm hearing 200, 250, even up to 300,000 for a DPT. And, and you're never going to make that kind of money in an annual salary. So you're not. Unless you, you know what I'm saying? Well, we're talking about diversify, find your community, become, you know, use PT to your advantage, find people who need it um, that aren't going to make it to your normal, you know, outpatient clinics, this and that nature. Yeah. I mean, the only way that a physical therapy degree, I think at this point, if you're looking at 150 to 250,000 in debt, the only way that is worth it is if you can find a way to leverage the degree to make the value be what that is and exactly. can be done. It's I was worried for a little while when I graduated with the EDD, I kind of took on an extra $40,000 worth of debt. And I was like, did I just make a huge mistake? I don't even want to teach. Like, what am I doing right now? You know? And now in hindsight, obviously with the pandemic and actually going into academia now full time, uh, it worked out, but there was a period of time there where I was worried for, you know, did I make the wrong decision? Why did I get my doctorate? I mean, I, I finished with a master's and then got the transitional doctorate. So I just kept adding on debt, adding on debt, taking more school, you know, and I didn't know what I was doing. So right. luckily I was able to learn from some of the guys out there, like the Paul Goffs and the Jerry Durham's and Greg Todd's, you know, and, and, and oh, yeah. that it's going to be okay. Just leverage it to do something that you can utilize those skills and, and help people on the other end. And when you help people, the money's just a byproduct. So exactly. Well, Ashley, I can't thank you enough for taking your time and coming to chat with us today about uh, some eye-opening things uh, regarding, you know, side hustles and investments and how we can survive uh, student loan debt and salaries. And where can people find you? Where can they reach out to you if they want to learn more about Forex uh, and, you know, uh, education on that and, and, you know, just what you're doing on an everyday basis. Because like I said, I really do appreciate what you're doing in the world of physical therapy. So I'd love for other people to follow you as well. Thank you. Thank you. They can follow me at DocJPT, D-O-C-J-A-Y-P-T on all platforms. Um, I will be having a free webinar about 4X um, specifically for the physical therapy and health professional community. I'm creating uh, an academy called Broke Scholars Trading Academy. That will literally take you from the bottom all the way up. It's like, I've understood it. I have mastered it. I know it works. And I really feel like if it's shared, it could probably change our profession, change the debt to income ratio, increase part minority participation in PT school. If we can stop, um, you know, find a solution to this financial hardship issue and the increased tuitions that we're facing. Well, Ashley, thank you so much. I have one final question for you that we ask all of our guests on this show. If you could change one aspect of higher education, whether it be DPT or otherwise, what aspect would you change and how would you change it? I would want to change the fact that DPT is not considered a terminal degree in higher education. I believe they're missing out on some amazing professors that could really help our future PTs come out a lot stronger. And that is right now one of the biggest barriers to our PT education that I currently see. Yeah, it's like, no, 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 this doctorate is, is, a, is a legit doctorate. You know, it's a clinical doctorate. You need, you know, this is what we fought for. We've got our doctorate. Oh, but you can't come teach here if you have a DPT. You need no a teaching. <laughs> so yeah, it's a little backwards right now. We're working on it. I think we're trying to fix it. Um, I know Todd Davenport's doing some great things with with really being vocal about it. And you know, I I I 
I, I do believe that DPTs, some of them are really great educators. So the terminal degree. Thing. I mean, even if it's even if it's on the basis of, you know, you have a PhD and you can go direct and just, you know, uh, we have to become a certain type of professor. Give us that. Like no one's saying that a DPT can be a full-fledged, you know, tenured professor without certain educational curriculum in their CV, but allow there to be some type of entry-level professorship program for current DPTs, just like how we have the TDPT for your, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Have a something for education. Like we need to do it. Yeah, there's got to be some sort of bridge. It's got to be more accessible and it's got to be affordable too. There's no reason to take on right. that right now for it. So, well, I, I would take it. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? I know. I, and we need more of that. We need more people like you right. to, to take the plunge. But uh, right now, again, a, a PhD doesn't necessarily seem to make the best ROI right now. So I get it. It's a tough, it's a tough one, but uh Good take. I appreciate it. Thank you so no much problem. again, I'm Ashley, and it was a pleasure talking to you, and I look forward to doing it again soon. Yes, thank you so much. Access to healthcare is one of the largest issues facing both providers and patients, as millions of people worldwide lack timely and affordable access to healthcare. Anywhere Healthcare, a telehealth platform, is a simple, low-cost option for providers and patients that eliminates the barriers to access to all kinds of healthcare. To find out more, check out anywhere.healthcare, which is available on our show notes. And if you use the code HET in all caps, when you email to sign up, you'll save 25% off the total cost. Thank you for attending class today. And we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HET podcast on Instagram, HET podcast on Facebook the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, healthcareeducationtransformationpodcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus, extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.